anytime now you bring up a movie reference in one of these scripts, I'm like, you are hanging me up to dry because I thought we were in not watching movies (laughs) together. (laughs) This movie, I literally only know this movie because it was part of my dissertation. Like, because it has an organza dress in it and I only watched the movie to get a view of the dress. But yeah, I've never seen a movie. No, it's so funny. You saw this and I was like, but we've never seen a movie before. Yeah, never watched a movie. (laughs) Hi, I'm Ruby Redstone. I'm a fashion historian and contemporary fashion writer, and I have a master's degree in fashion history from the Courtauld Institute. And I'm Natalie Brennan. I'm a podcast producer, writer, and I have my master's in yearning on the internet. Oh, you do? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. No, actually magna cum laude. So congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) And this is Covered, a show about our favorite moments in fashion history. This week, Kate Moss's 1993 Naked Dress. So it's my understanding that you popped out of the womb with impeccable style and an encyclopedia of Kate Moss's best outfits. It's so sad for me how much I love Kate Moss. I really wish I could let her go. I saw something recently that she's been making jam and I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. And it's just like objectively really not cool. But you make jam. (laughs) Yeah. So I felt validated. Good, good. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I've pretty much always been obsessed with clothing and obsessed with cataloging what other people wear. Did you always know that you wanted to go into fashion? Yeah, I think I did. I mean, I'm pretty singular in my interests. I started working in fashion when I was 13. I was an intern at Marc Jacobs, um, which is so funny to me now because I felt so grown up at the time and so cool. But the photos tell a very different story. (laughs) You're the only person who went through being 13 being like, I'm an adult. And, you know, I feel it was both like incredibly lucky and incredibly inappropriate. A lot of the experiences that I had there, but I loved it. And I ended up staying till I was 18, um, which is a more normal age to have that job. Correct. (laughs) But since then, I've had a bunch of different jobs in the fashion industry. And I realized through all the work that I did that I much prefer the process of researching clothing to the process of designing clothing. We met when we were 14, 15. 16. Well, I was 16. I think you were I'm 16. a year older. Maybe I yeah. was 16. <laughs> what I remember most about that summer is that I had to go through the devastating process that all kids who grow up in the suburbs must go through, which is meeting your first city kid. And I think you broke my brain there for a bit. I mean, my brain was broken too, so that's fair. But I think it's important to clarify that Natalie and I met at a high school summer program at Oxford in England. Um, And we were both in a creative writing workshop, which like, duh, that makes makes a lot of sense now. (laughs) But um, I think it takes a really specific type of teenager to be like, yeah, what I want to do with my summer is go to more school and school at Oxford. I want to spend my summer doing extra homework. I love homework. (laughs) And we did. We We did a lot of it. (laughs) And Ruby was very much so in her uh, silver platform Superga fun bun hair era. And I was like, this is the epitome of fashion. (laughs) I loved those Supergas. I miss them. (laughs) I used to wear, I wore after that, I wore the white ones around for years and I was falling constantly I was tripping on the and falling on the ground all the time in those but I loved them deeply I'm joking but also you were and continue to be someone who definitely helps me understand my own relationship to fashion in a way that I really admire 
you're going to make me cry because that's all I want is just in, in all the stuff that I write and do is to make people realize that capital F fashion is the choices that we make every day. It's what we have in our closets and what we see on the streets. It's not just slideshows that we see on Vogue.com. But also, yeah, summer 2012 was an amazing time for me personally, <laughs> style-wise. It was peak top shop, which I think was really important for everyone, especially in the UK. Yeah. And to- I think actually top shop was only in the UK at that point, right? Or it was no, different. There was one top shop in the city. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but they definitely had better stuff. And I know we went to the Oxford Mall top shop. We did. Too, <laughs> a lot. Times. <laughs> um, I had also just discovered uh, the beauty of Prada back then. And I was doing my 16 year old take on Prada, which mostly just involved wearing a lot of lacy frilly vintage dresses with those platform sneakers and weird hairstyles. I I wore these like clunky men's brogues everywhere. And I actually stand by all my outfits from that time. 17 was not great for me, but 16 was really good. No, that era was very adorable. And even just hearing you say right now that you were in your Prada era, I'm like, babe, I came into my Prada era six months ago. (laughs) So that's exactly what I'm talking about. But I mean, I didn't really have any fashion style at that time. I like, I really was still figuring things out, but even up to recently, like I definitely used to have a more complicated relationship to what it means to be into fashion. And I'm not technically in fashion. I I write about fashion, but I work in podcasting. I studied history in university and I'm, I mostly work in the intersection of those two things. Which is what this is, a history podcast. It is a history podcast. But I definitely, for a while, played down how interested I was in clothing because I think it can sometimes have a shallow side to it. And of course, like we could analyze the misogynistic undertones to that for hours. And we will. Yeah, and we will. <laughs> Especially right now, I've been thinking a lot about this lately, where I feel like we're living in an era where men's fashion discourse is really in, and we don't see that as much in women's fashion right now, which I think is like exactly why we wanted to make this podcast. But as I said, I studied history, and through you, I've gotten to learn so much more about the legacy of clothing as a tool or as a norm, and I think that's like what we're both really excited about doing here. Absolutely. I think the big question I always ask myself and then what we want to talk about on this show too is how is what we see happening in fashion right now part of the greater arc of fashion history? And speaking of the current day, we decided to start this season with the naked dress because, well, do you think that it's fair to say that it was perhaps the trend of the summer? Okay, I'm curious to know what you think because I feel like at least relative to last year, we had kind of a trendless summer this year. Yeah. I feel like we had a million little baby micro trends last summer, but also I'm like heavily pregnant and have just been wearing the same thing all summer. But I feel like it was just boxers and the naked dress. We were only working with two, but this was definitely one of the big ones. Absolutely. And just for the boys at home, can you describe what we mean when we say the naked dress? A naked dress is a sheer dress, but I also think part of what makes it a naked dress is that it needs to be on the longer side, probably past the knees or have long sleeves or something, because I think the whole beauty is that a naked dress plays with the tension of concealing and revealing the body that's underneath rather than just being see-through. And then I would also say that this summer we saw a lot of those like beach cover-up crochet looking dresses. What feels the most trendy to me is that black semi-sheer lace two-piece set where the skirt will go past the knee, but there's something about the black 
lace that feels very intertwined in this trend. Yeah, I really want one of those sets with little pedal pusher pants instead of a skirt, but I don't even think that's my style. I'm very intrigued and I know you could pull it off. (laughs) I think part of the reason I personally am so interested in analyzing this trend is that there seems to be this huge gap between seeing the dress in real life and seeing the dress online, which is... Uh, my least favorite kind of phenomenon. I don't like the separation of those two things. And it also makes me think of fashion as performance, not fashion as everyday. Sometimes being online can feel like it's every girl's birthday every single day. And the naked dress to me can really feel like a lens to which we could view this spectacle. I completely agree. I feel like if I were just to scroll through Instagram or even through literally Vogue.com, as we said before, it would make it seem as if every single person is wearing this. And yet out on the street, I very rarely see a naked dress. I'm very rarely seeing it. It You know what? I even went to the club the other night and there were no naked dresses. There was just like weird workwear. Where (laughs) are the naked dresses? Yeah. For, for how often I think we see it written up online and article after article about like the trend of the summer, the trend of the year. I'm not seeing them on the street. Yes. And I also feel like I completely agree with you that my least favorite phenomenon is outfits that are just worn for pictures. And I think we run into that beyond the naked dress, just kind of in every aspect of, of getting dressed in 2023. But We can touch on that later. Should we get into the naked dress Yes. With all of that being said, I die for Kate Moss's 1993 metallic sheer slip. And I think it is time that we get into it. Let's cover it. Time to cover up. Time to cover up. Time to cover up. How prepared is anyone at 17 to become a public figure? How ready was Kate Moss when Calvin Klein made her an icon overnight? said this young thing just walked into his studio. I did not know that this dress was see-through until pictures came out the next day in the newspaper. The 80s were over and the 90s, to me, represented something different, something more natural, something less flashy. It was the flash that made it look naked. When I went out, I didn't think it was that see-through. Kate has that quality of child-woman thing, which touches a nerve. How do you experience being sex symbol? I don't think about it. Am I sex symbol? With, with Kate Moss, it became especially obvious to me how quickly a star is, um, is born. Okay, so in 1993, Elite Modeling Agency is hosting their Look of the Year party at the London Hilton, and a 19-year-old Kate Moss shows up in a sheer silvery slip dress with black brief underwear underneath, both made by the designer Liza Bruce. The paparazzi have a field day, both because the look is so striking and because Kate Moss was only 19 and ascending to her status as an icon. You've probably seen some of these photos. She's wearing her hair in a low, messy bun, sporting almost no makeup. And simply carries around a cigarette all night as if it was an accessory. Yeah, I mean, pretty quickly this dress becomes canon. You can't even really have a conversation about Kate Moss without someone mentioning the fact that she wore the naked dress. I think it just says so much about her enduring coolness and confidence. And it's also just a testament to how fucking cool that dress is. It's really sad that Liza Bruce kind of doesn't remain in our cultural memory in the same way. She was more of a flash-in-the-pan designer who actually ended up making mostly swimwear. I don't like to make sweeping generalizations like this, but this is definitely the best thing that she designed. 
I do think it's interesting that we call it Kate Moss's naked dress, like kind of Liza Bruce's naked dress. Yes, Liza Bruce is definitely responsible for the dress, and I'm a huge fan of giving credit and artistic authorship, but Kate Moss is responsible for the look. No, it's right. And back to the performance of spectacle, there really is no spectacle like a young woman who the industry has recently decided is about to be a star, you know, like people go crazy for that. So she's in the naked dress, but she's also wrapped up in all that comes with being a darling new it girl. Yeah. And I feel like we can't emphasize enough here that she was 19. That, I mean, that's what really gets me about this. Like she was a baby. And then of course there's this controversy of what did Kate know about this dress and when? Okay, this is the part that I am very intrigued by. So recently she has been saying that allegedly her 19-year-old self did not know how sheer the dress was until she saw the photos the next day. Allegedly. (laughs) I just watched a British Vogue video where Kate Moss talked a bit about the night that she had in this dress. And she said that her and Corinne Day, the photographer who was her close friend and took some of the best photos of her ever, left the party that they were at because they heard Radiohead playing next door. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yeah. And they ran up to the bouncer And according to Kate, he took one look at them and he was like, oh, all right, get in there. So it must be really nice to be Kate Moss. (laughs) Truly must be nice to be Kate Moss hearing Radiohead next door. Um, However, she also said that she had thrown on the dress under dim lights at home and she had known that it was shimmery, but the flash photos that were taken in the club rather than at the elite modeling party made it seem like the dress was more sheer than it was. I can actually relate here because I had a um, similar incident with the literal student union at my university taking a flash photo of me in a mesh top. No. Um, But it was way less cool and way more embarrassing because they published it on their Facebook page. They didn't even reach out to you? (laughs) No. Did you have them take it down? No, it's still there, but please nobody go look for it. Yeah, don't look for it. Just Um, take her word for it. Uh, In Kate Moss's case, though, I feel like the dress had come with opaque black underwear to go underneath. So there was some general understanding that it was naked adjacent. And did you say actually that the underwear are built in? No, they just come with the dress. It's like a set. The dress and underwear set was actually on display at the Victoria and Albert Museum in London at their underwear show in 2016. And I'm so sad I missed it because I could have gone and investigated this fashion history mystery for us in person. And it's like, let's say that somehow this was the case, right? And she like didn't know how Cher it was. We believe that her narrative is correct. I can't think of anything more iconic than accidentally wearing an outfit that becomes canon. Like, (laughs) but I am a little bit skeptical of this whole the camera flash made it look naked thing because in doing some of my naked dress history, I saw that Jane Birkin had said almost the exact same thing about this sheer dress she wore to the 1969 premiere of Slogan, which is one of my absolute favorite naked dresses of all time. She's in this long sleeved black, very short garment, and it is quite sheer up top. And when asked about it, she did happen to say the exact same thing. But who am I to say how naked these girls intended to be? I've never been papped, so I will take their word for it and yours, apparently. (laughs) Yes, I love that dress. And, you know, may may Jane Birkin rest in peace. Two of my favorite saucy little minxes in one episode. (laughs) But I must agree with you that this narrative does feel like it upholds some kind of nefarious patriarchal fantasy of like 
oops, I had no idea you were going to catch me naked. And yeah. I don't love that. I feel like naked dressing today actually feels much more aware of that narrative and ready to subvert it. I do love that. No, that's a really good point. It does feel so intentional today. And I do love also how casual it feels. Like it doesn't feel very political, but I'm curious uh, for our fashion historian in the room, like this can't be the first time that the naked dress was casual dressing like what we're seeing today no actually the girls have been sporting the naked dress since the beginning of time let's go (laughs) i mean that literally because in ancient times the relationship between bodies and clothing was much more fluid and there were also very very different standards for modesty and hygiene in dress it's hard to gauge exactly what clothing looked like in ancient societies but we do know that in ancient greece a lot of women probably wore clingy garments made out of a lightweight sheer cloth because it better suited their life in the hot sun I love that. It sounds like not any type of motive, like truly just practicality. I mean, it's so hard to say because for as long as we've had clothing, we've also had the idea of like adornment. So it's not, you know, it's not completely practical, but it is less about the nakedness. Totally. Um, But as you said, the other moments in history, the naked dress was a more political tool. In terms of more modern history, supporters of the Napoleonic Revolution in the late 1700s dressed in super sheer muslin dresses that would reveal the silhouette of their body underneath, and sometimes it would expose their breasts completely. It was also rumored that the most hardcore supporters of the revolution would actually drench themselves in water before making a big debut at a party in order to make their dresses completely sheer and kind of shock the general public into paying attention to them. I was telling my friend this history because I find it so fascinating. And he was like, all I can imagine is the woman being like, so what can we do to help? And the generals are all like, um, you can dip your dresses in water to make them uh, wet and sheer. (laughs) And it was probably more revolutionary gossip than it was truth, but I feel like it has to have happened at least once for the rumor to have come this far. Correct. And I do love that for them. I can't say with full confidence that this is the objective for the naked dress today, but ultimately I do stand with the revolution. So like, Viva naked dress. Yeah, absolutely. I think what we see now is more influenced by Hollywood culture in the 1930s and 40s, which is when we see a return to embracing the natural body more in dress. And it's also a time when you get these really intense changing standards of femininity and an increased interest in women's liberation that makes trans naturally lean a little bit more naked. Movies actually create the need for garments that look amazing on screen. So it's kind of the beginning of what we think of as a very contemporary phenomenon. So you see this rise in the 30s of sequins, feather trims, sheer fabrics, all these things that look really good when placed under harsh studio lighting. And all your favorite things. (laughs) Yeah, they also happen to be all my personal favorite, (laughs) favorite trims and fabrics. Um, If you want a really good example of this that you can watch at home, the entirety of the 1932 movie Letty Linton is on YouTube, and it has this famous really over-the-top sheer dress that's kind of the star of the film. It actually doesn't even really relate to the plot, but it's just an amazing dress that kind of got a life of its own. Um, Also, early Hollywood movies and their costumes are super racy, even by today's standards. 
their pre-code film. Pre-code is so funny. <laughs> yeah, we now have the code. <laughs> and I'm no movie expert, so please, uh, I only know about the costumes. But you end up getting a lot of much more experimental looks and a lot of experimentation with sheerness and with what could be revealed on screen because the industry was so new that they hadn't really established what was acceptable yet. As I'm hearing you say this, it's interesting that in the 20th century, the naked dress moved into like kind of what was more exclusive space for movie stars or supermodels because, you know, the history before that that we just went through was kind of more about like for the everyday person. And it's cool right now to be back in a time again where anyone gets to sport the naked dress because... It means we get to see bodies like mosses and unlike mosses together in sheerness. Yes. And if we think of sheerness as this act of celebrating the natural body, the silhouettes of the late 1700s, the 1930s and the 1990s are actually all very similar. They're cut close to the body and they didn't really necessitate any type of specific shaping undergarments Mm. like bustles or corsets, which is not to say that these looks were comfortable or radically feminist by any means, because you should see some of the underwear that were made in the 1930s. You would much rather wear a corset than this. That sounds horrible. (laughs) Just latex belts to suck your stomach in and really horrible, horrible, uncomfortable things. But we can talk about corset justice another day. But all of these silhouettes do show this renewed interest in naturalism and a growing acceptance of a less constrained body, which again feels super appropriate right now. Which I'm curious about hearing what some of your favorite styles you've been seeing when you do actually see a naked (laughs) dress walking around the streets, what your favorites have been. Yeah, I always love to see vintage and it really is, I think, the best bet for a special sheer piece. I love sheer Edwardian and Victorian cotton, especially worn without undergarments from those eras. (laughs) Sheer organza from the 1930s, of course, and sheer lace from any time period. I think that nightgowns from really any time period are a great bet too, because they're obviously meant to be a little breezier and a little sexier. But I'm lying because lots of turn of the century nightgowns are made from heavy, stiff, undyed linen. Okay, so not those ones. <laughs> not sexy. You want a post-1910s nightgown, honestly. And we both love sheer tulle, too, especially the sheer tulle dresses by Molly Goddard, because they're a little sexy, but also super easygoing and girly. I love Molly Goddard. The first ever like nice piece of clothing I ever bought was this Molly Goddard organza skirt that I found on some site having a crazy sale and actually uh just yesterday one of my friends has been like going through a pretty extreme grief journey um she's just really been through it but right now she's in this period that's like what's really helping her is normalizing like talking about death and so we're sitting on my couch yesterday and she was kind of like hey I think it's important to like just give you a couple of notes on if nothing will, but if anything were to happen to me, like X, (laughs) Y, and Z. And I was like, okay, yeah, totally. Like here are my things, X, Y, and Z. And then I was like, and Kate, my sister, uh, gets like first picks out of everything I want in my closet, but then you all can like go through and pick whichever things you want to have. And she was like, okay, great. Because I want the Goddard. (laughs) I was like, "Mm, you two are definitely going to have to work that one out. 
Like, I don't know that you get the Goddard, but I hear you and you and Kate can work that one out. Okay, I need to see this after we record now because if this is the piece that everyone wants from your wardrobe you might want after it. you die, maybe I want and it. Actually, this is reminding me that um, I have one of Molly, I have one of Ruby's Molly Goddard pieces on loan, which I will dry clean and return. Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but I love the skirt. It is this like cream, very big, uh, A-lined, tutu but the skirt is actually quite extreme as most of her pieces are like it has a lot of material and also covers nothing and so it is a bit hard to figure out how to wear but I think that's actually why I'm so drawn to it I wrote about this in my newsletter ISO but there is something to me that is just so crushworthy about the naked dress I really think that it is the sartorial crush. It's not rational. And I think that's maybe why I find it so enticing. Like the thought of it just makes my imagination go wild with impractical scenarios. Like where are we wearing this? I mean, everywhere. Yeah, everywhere, <laughs> everywhere and apparently nowhere, but mostly everywhere. Yeah, like maybe we are. out with your grandparents, but everywhere else. But actually, for that reason, I really don't like a naked leaning wedding dress, even mm. though I think that is something that I am seeing proliferate as a trend everywhere. Yeah. But other than that, I love a naked dress for strolling around the city in the summer. I feel like it's become kind of like we said, within limited scope, a pretty standard item for a night out, but it still feels fun and a little bit shocking during the day. And I'm not saying it's like completely practical, but it is a good choice when it's 100 degrees outside. Yes, but you famously have been a no pants supporter for quite some time. For the shy girls, what are your tips for making the naked dress more wearable? You need good undergarments. Yeah. I do still like to adhere to some of the remaining conventions of polite society. (laughs) Some of them. (laughs) Um, I do like to do like a opaque black high-waisted brief and a black bra for daytime because they actually, if you think about it, provide more coverage than the average swimsuit. And it makes seeing the dress out in public a little less jarring when there's like a full layer of opaque black fabric underneath. I also love a bikini under a sheer dress, speaking of swimwear, um, especially if it's brightly colored or patterned, because again, to my broken brain, that feels like a really practical choice if you're going to be hot all day. It's a technical fabric that wicks away moisture. You could go swimming if you needed to. No, right. Just like a quick (laughs) dip in the East River. I think that's huge. I love the bikini under the naked dress, um, especially as you said, if it has a really fun pattern. I have this Paloma wool bikini top that has this like screen printed pattern of all of these people on it that I love to wear under something sheer because it just like really makes it pop. But I think my biggest tip is if you're going to try out this trend, don't splurge on it until you know that it's something that's going to become a part of your closet. If you're worried about it, there's so much vintage out there that you can find for a relative price that you're willing to spend and see if it makes its way into the everyday or if it's something that you're just going to like wear once. And then another tip of something that I saw recently that I loved is that I saw someone style a belt under the naked dress, but over their underwear. And so it was like black underwear. They had this gorgeous belt over it and then they had a naked sheer skirt above it. It was beautiful. That is genius. That is gorgeous. That is instant crush material. You love a crush. I love a crush. Fashion is really just uh, my favorite tool to analyze desire. Agreed. (laughs) 
As two professional internet searchers, we have found some perfect naked dresses just for you. We've linked to our recs in our show notes, or you can find them at patreon.com slash covered pod. But first, we have one more segment before we log off. Each week, we will close our show with the accessory. Just like your favorite heart necklace or oversized sunglasses, right before we leave, we'll be adding on one more thing. You're a very big accessorizer. A huge accessorizer. What is, um, what's the Coco Chanel line you hate? <laughs> yeah. Coco Chanel famously said that you should look in the mirror and take off one thing before you leave the house. But there's this meme that's like adding one more thing before I leave the house to prove that Nazi bitch <laughs> Coco Chanel wrong. And I think that's more of the sentiment that I want here. And so that's kind of what the accessory is. We're adding one more thing on before we leave the house. Okay, for this week, I think that we should play your family's one outfit game, even though it gives me a lot of anxiety and panic. (laughs) Okay, yeah. We play this game all the time that's like, if you had to wear one outfit for the rest of your life, what would it be? And you don't get to change for anything. Like, it has to work for sports. It has to work for black tie occasions. You're wearing it to someone's wedding. You're also wearing it if there's maybe an apocalypse. (laughs) It's just, that's your one outfit. All of it. Yeah. Okay, I need you... Okay, actually, I'm going to go first because yours is probably going to send me into a spiral, (laughs) so I'm going to give mine first. Okay, the pants, and I'm going to have a lot of follow-up questions as we go along because you know the rules and I'm just here. Okay, for pants, I have chosen this pair of hiking pants that I got literally days before I was going camping in Italy with my family. And I was like, oh, it's going to be cold there. And so I like went online and I bought this random ass pair of hiking pants. They're by the brand Outdoor Ventures. I love them because they do zip off. I don't find them very flattering when zipped off, but in oh, this- Oh, like they could be shorts if they you They can become shorts. Okay, yeah. okay, cool. And they're not flattering as shorts, but for the purpose of this scenario, yeah, great. No, now that's I good. have pants and now <laughs> I have shorts. Um, I recently had to get stitches on my leg, which I'm sure we'll talk about on this show <laughs> at some point, but- uh, when I had to get the stitches, they zipped off the pants and they looked at me and they were like, good thing you were in these because if you, you were wearing them, <laughs> I'm wearing them all the time. It's a, it's a surprise I'm not wearing them right now. Oh my God. And um, they were like, because if you didn't, we would have had to have cut them off of you. <laughs> I was like, why? Like pants roll up. No, you wouldn't. But anyway, I was, I was very happy and I gave my friend like the zipped off portion of my pants and she brought them home for me. I mean, me. that's just like a resounding endorsement. You were in a, in a life-threatening accident, and, but you and got they were to there. keep your pants. They were there for me. Those are definitely, I mean, if you've seen me in the last year, I've been in these pants. They're my favorite. They're very flattering. They're just, uh, they're comfortable, which for me is huge, especially, I don't know what this scenario is going to be, but they also have like a sheen to them. And so they can look formal when I need them yeah. to. No, no, no. I've seen them go formal. They really do work. Thank you. As my shirt, I am choosing, and I will be bleeping this out, my <laughs> button-up black sleek shirt. I, I don't think you get to bleep this out. As the producer, I have last control of bleeping. And listen, if they want to pay us, if they want to make us dream girls, I'll run this uh, brand <laughs> through every podcast that we make. But for now, this is going to be known as And it is a long sleeve black silk shirt that buttons. I usually only just wear one button, 
maybe two buttoned up top. And this shirt has been through a lot with me. Honestly, this shirt and those pants are what I wear if I'm like nervous and don't know how to show up. It's my first date look. So I feel like that's only right that I go with like a black sleek everyday look that I am usually wearing. No, I feel like that's a very safe bet. My only question is, well, no, I have two questions. What shoes? And B, are you going to get depressed wearing all black all the time? Okay, good point. Shoes, I'm not even at accessories yet, yeah. so okay, we'll come okay, back okay, to those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think that if I had to wear something all the time, I worry less about being in all black because I'm like, I'm just going uniform mode. Yeah. One of my favorite collections of all time, which I'm sure we'll do an episode at some point, but is this Miu Miu 1999 collection that she made where everyone's in these like, what I think look like little uniforms. And I think if I have to be in the same thing, I would like to be in something that looks nice, but I could zone out instead of picking something like bright and patterned that I might get really sick of. But that's just me. I wear a lot of all black. I am going to pair it with, since I have to go, I guess, through all seasons, I'm going to wear stocking socks that are black that in the summer, let's say that I've zipped off the pants, then I will scrunch the socks down a little bit and it makes the shoes look like boots a little bit more. But I am going with this pair of Prada block heel patent leather shoes that have this square toe that I really love. They will help me in the events that are a little bit more formal, but I also can like walk a billion miles in these, especially with the little stocking socks. So I feel like these are my safest bet for every day, but also I can show up somewhere formal. I got these off of Depop for super cheap. It was a really good find that I bought in a panic one time when I was stuck. (laughs) I was waiting for an airplane to take off that wasn't taking off. And I was like really panicking. And I saw these shoes and I was like, instant buy. Um, But do I get a coat? What's the deal? What's the weather? No, you don't get a coat. No coat. Okay, No no coat. Did I... Did I miss anything? No, I think that's amazing. And I also find it interesting that your ideal outfit contains two like panic purchase items, Correct. one panic purchase for a trip and one to make yourself feel better, which I've been thinking about this a lot lately. The panic purchase items before a trip either become your most worn item or they, you know, move on to a different life immediately after the trip. So I'm impressed that yours is in your forever outfit. And like, what are the chances that these hiking pants that I ordered off of a whim are so perfect? But with that being said, I wear them so often that I think every time my mom sees me, she's like, Natalie, <laughs> no more hiking pants. <laughs> but this is, this is actually my perfect scenario for that. So that's yeah. what I'm sticking with. I am dying to hear yours. And I'm, I also want to know, Has it changed a lot over the years? No, my outfit has pretty much always been the same. And I will say everyone in my family changes their outfit a lot, but mine has stayed the same. Um, And it's very simple, also very school uniform adjacent, which I think is, is, you know, kind of critical because while I hated wearing a school uniform, you can wear it every day without feeling stifled, sort of. Um, But it is a navy wool kilt. Specifically, I have one from this Scottish brand called Le Kilt. But it could be any any 100% wool kilt. Is that the one you have like the big paper clip looking yeah. clip on it? It's actually a kilt pin, which is the traditional pin that you use to shut a kilt because it a kilt has three buckles typically that buckle around your waist and then it's open fabric beneath. So you need a large kilt pin, which is a safety pin that holds it closed at the bottom if you're going to walk around in it. Right. Kilt pin, exactly as I said. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> What's important about the kilt is that it was actually originally designed as a military garment, 
Um, and it was meant to aid Scottish Highland warriors who were hiking through rough terrain because actually pants would snag in the long grass. So the Shoot, kilt I should have gotten panic's kill. Yes. <laughs> and then white Peter Pan collar button down because that's my like everyday shirt. And yeah. then white socks. And I'm also wearing patent leather Mary Janes. Cute. But they're See white. <laughs> See you in the dystopia. Okay, yeah. you're going white. Yes. Yeah, because I love white. And I also feel like white and navy is a good combo. I won't yeah. feel so out of place at the dressy events, but like it's also not so inappropriate if I have to, I don't know, work out or something. We're we're not working out. No, no, we're not working out. Um, are you going to be cold? Yeah, I am, but I just have to live with that. Yeah, you've chosen that. That sounds frankly adorable. I can't wait to meet up with you uh, for a glass of wine at the (laughs) end of the world in our uniforms. Yes. (laughs) See you there. See you there. Thanks for listening to Covered. Covered is hosted by me, Ruby Redstone. And hosted and produced by me, Natalie Brennan. Our artwork is by Gabriel Summer. Our music is by Aidan Noel. You can find me on Instagram at Ruby Redstone and my newsletter, Old Fashioned, is available on Patreon. I am New Balenciaga on Instagram and my newsletter, ISO, is on Substack. All of our links are in the show notes. Okay, I think we're all covered. We're all covered. All covered. All covered. All covered.